Welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location-independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more, all focused on building a life that is beyond better. It has been a couple months, I think, since I have done a solo episode, so I'm very excited to be showing up in your feed, just me, no interviewee, although I love doing interviews, I also really like having a more personal conversation with you. This week, I am going to be answering your questions. If you're part of my email list, you received an email with a survey, and that survey had a spot to ask questions. I got a lot of great questions in related to business and writing and productivity and all kinds of great topics. By the way, if you want to join my list, you can go to stacyennis.com slash join my list. Today, I'm going to tackle your questions related to business and growth. So everything in this episode has something to do with either personal or professional growth. If you are a small business owner or an entrepreneur of some kind, maybe you're working a side hustle, or perhaps you're in a job you really like, but you want to continue to improve and get better at, I think you'll get a lot out of today's episode. Our first question comes from Mike. Mike writes, what were the major mental, emotional, or professional milestones that you had to reach or overcome in your career to be where you are today? Thank you so much for that question, Mike. I really enjoyed thinking about how to answer this because your question got me reflecting on the person that I was 10, 15 years ago. And wow, I was a completely different person before I started my business. Even as I grew my business as a side hustle and stepped into it full time, I have changed so much. And there are so many mental, emotional, and professional milestones that have helped me reach where I am today, which I also acknowledge as somebody who continues to grow. Hopefully that's the goal. And change. So what I've done is I've outlined in my notes, yes, I keep notes when I answer these questions, some of my big milestones that that I think are worthwhile to share. And, and just acknowledging that I'm very much just like you and just like everyone listening, a work in progress and always hoping to grow. So I'm going to start in my 20s and I'm going to go in order. You asked for mental and emotional but I'm going to combine those together. So when I was 22, I think that's the right age, about 22, 23, I ended a a very long and traumatic five and a half year relationship. It It was an awful experience being in that relationship. And I vowed at that point in my life, after I worked through it, went to counseling, started running, worked on myself and got to a place where I had that capacity to vow to myself something positive that I was going to make the most of my life from then forward. I felt like I had wasted five and a half years of my life 
Um, granted, I was quite young, and it would these were formative years. I felt like I had missed out on so much, and I had to go through a lot to rebuild my confidence, to rebuild my courage, to really rebuild the ability to dream. And once I had done that inner work and I made this vow to myself, I I really was on fire and driven by purpose to do something with my life. I didn't know what that was. I just knew that staying in Idaho, where I'm from, I'm from Boise, which is an amazing place, um, but staying there was not going to work for me. I knew I was going to have to do something different. I was going to have to shake up my life somehow I wanted to see the world. I had this, you know, as a kid, I had this dream of moving to New York City, but that you know, obviously didn't work out. But I had this idea of, okay, I'm going to do something. I want to do something big. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something. And the first step, and when I think about milestones and I think about maybe my next big milestone was really moving abroad the first time. So when I met my husband at some point after that, um, we started dating and after we both graduated from college, I graduated from my bachelor's, him with his master's, we moved to the Dominican Republic and moving abroad forever, forever changed who I am. I developed deeper empathy. I developed greater courage. I became more confident. There were a lot of reasons for that. I think Part of it is uh, living in a different culture, getting to know different types of people in international community. That was really profound. But I think also just making that step, moving to a random place I'd never been before. Um, You know, I literally had never visited. (laughs) My husband and I boarded a plane to our new home, having never visited. By the way, we went on to do that a few more times in different countries. And that was really transformative for me. From there, we moved to Vietnam and then Ohio and then back to Boise, which brings me to my next big, I guess, big milestone, um, moving again to this time to Thailand in 2018. Now, what I overcame in this situation, because that was part of your question, Mike, what I overcame in that situation was that we were pretty entrenched in normal life. We were living in Eagle, which is a suburb, or I guess not really suburb, but a town outside of Boise where I'm from. Eagle is very nice. It's very pleasant. There are beautiful walking paths and grand trees and giant, amazing, clean, well-cut playgrounds and big streets and trails and Whole Foods not too far away and Trader Joe's. You know, it's all those things about suburban life that are very appealing when you have two small children, which we did at the time. We still do. And my husband and I, even though it was a very comfortable life, we had a dream. We wanted to go back abroad and we wanted to raise global citizens. We wanted children who understood the world and felt comfortable in the world. And we were itching for adventure. I am as much as, you know, a lot of times people meet me, they think I'm just kind of like a plain Jane, normal, you know, suburban mom kind of person, but I'm really not at my core. I'm very much a risk taker. I love adventure. I seek adrenaline experiences. And while I'm, uh, I'm not like wild and crazy, I, I do like to go out and do things that are maybe off the beaten path or that excite me. And so 
the idea of moving abroad was terrifying, but also super exciting. And so we moved abroad in 2018. And I think that even more than our first move was really powerful because we were taking control of our own destiny. I took a risk with my business, not being certain if, you know, clients would stay with me for sure or how they would respond to this change, but we did it. And that was really powerful and profound. There are a couple other times that I can think of. Now I'm going to move from the mental, emotional, although I think that kind of applies in all of these, but I'm going to move over into the professional. And there are a few times I can really point to that helped me get to the next level, helped me to get to where I am today. One moment was, gosh, oh, I think it was maybe six-ish years ago, which seems kind of crazy now, but it was a while ago. I was sitting in a conference room with a client. We had just completed our in-person work for his project, but we had worked together before, and so I felt really comfortable asking him this question. And I said to him, knowing his expertise in business and leadership and entrepreneurship, I said, what do you think I can do to level up? I told him, I don't know where my gaps are. I know my work is excellent. And and maybe if you're listening, you're like, did she say that? <laughs> but I mean, really, guys, I knew my work was excellent. I knew I was doing great work. I didn't know how to get to that next level. And this person gave me real feedback. And he said to me, you know, Stacy, you're right. You do great work. You're very professional. But there are some areas I definitely see you could improve. And he pointed out that a lot of it is in how I was showing up. So from, you know, the way that I'm doing proposals to how I actually was dressing for my client meetings. And I I don't know why it had never crossed my mind before that my work has to be great, but I also need to put the attention on on how I am presenting myself and how I am communicating the value that I bring. What I didn't recognize was that I was essentially putting up this barrier that people had to overcome to see my level of professionalism. And Mike, being a male, you probably won't totally relate to the reason for this, but I'm going to share it anyway for my for my female listeners. I had a period in my career, my early 20s, as I kind of got out there and started um, rebuilding my life and uh, building my business, where I recognized that my looks were a distraction. So I was dressing very nice. I had, I remember going to this meeting, I had this really nice pencil skirt and this blouse that I had buttoned up and I felt really good. But I noticed that I didn't feel like the people in the room were giving me the, um, how do I even describe this? I could tell that they liked what they saw and it made me really uncomfortable. And so after that, um, I had a couple other situations. I won't go into detail here, but I started hiding myself. I started dressing kind of plain. I wore a lot of black and gray, loose fitting clothing. And then I had babies and I wasn't really comfortable in my body. And so I kind of just like hit it. And so this feedback was really powerful for me because I realized that I actually need to love who I am and I I need to show up fully and I can also 
look great and feel great and do great work. Like those are not mutually exclusive. Another thing that really helped that is not too long after that, I met Laura Tolley, my dear friend today, but at the time I was just meeting her and she taught me about how to dress my body. These things that I started to learn about how to show up as a human being, I then applied to my online platform, my website. I did a redesign. I, you know, I made my LinkedIn much uh, fuller and prettier, um, you know, changed my headshot, got a new headshot. I did a lot of things to really level up the way I was showing up in person and online. And I also hired somebody to create custom template proposals, things like that. So I was really showing up fully in all areas of my business. I'm going to share one more quick story to answer your question. There was one other area of growth that I can really point to that was really powerful for me, and it was a failure. So back in, oh, when was that? I want to say it was about 2016, I think. I had this idea. I wanted to build a retreat for professionals who wanted to work through essentially their life vision and build their lives out of that vision. Basically for professionals who needed a redirection, who uh, wanted to understand their next steps. They felt like they'd reached the pinnacle of success and they wanted to figure out what the next step was for them. But number one, even as I describe this today, I can't fully articulate what I was trying to do there. But I, I knew what I wanted to do, and it was an experiential thing. Um, but what was interesting about that experience is that that idea grew out of realizing I could make my own opportunities. So I'll rewind a little bit. I was working on my business strategy for the year, and I defined that I wanted to travel internationally for work as a goal. And as I thought through my current prospects, I recognized there was no clear way to do that with my current opportunities and current clients. And so I thought, okay, if I want to make this happen for myself, what could I do? And I thought through my options and I thought, well, I could host an event internationally. Like that is something I could actually do that would get me out um, and, and achieving this goal. Well, I didn't end up with my idea about the Clarity Intensive actually hosting it internationally, but I did define some locations around the U.S. and went and visited Florida. I went to California. I toured these facilities. I met with, you know, their event managers. I remember I went sailing while I was in Florida, and I just remember this feeling of like, wow, I paid my way here. I form these relationships with these hotels. I am making this happen. And to be honest, I when this all f- ended up not working out, I didn't get the registration that I needed. I I was not happy, of course, but I recognized inherently the value of that failure because it taught me that I didn't have to wait for other people to extend a hand and invite me to do things, but instead I could create my own stuff. I could decide to do something in another city or another country. And that really led into moving to Thailand and into creating nonfiction book school and so many other things that have been incredibly important parts of my life and my business. 
Now, a few other things I'll just kind of tick off and not go into detail about, but writing books and publishing those books, doing a TEDx talk, um, forming systems in my business, bookkeeping, accounting, converting over to an S-corp, getting my insurance taken care of, all of those were more mm, either big goals or tactical stuff that all took time over the years, but they were really huge parts of my ability to get to where I am today. But I have to say that the biggest thing in all of the stories I shared with you and the many more I haven't shared is belief in my vision. Belief in my vision and my family's vision, because I'll tell you what, almost never along the way, along this path to this weird life that that my husband and I have created for ourselves, have I had people cheering me on? Yes, I have amazing friends and and they they get their own bucket because they've always been positive and they have cheered me on. But I would say the broader population, people that I meet, um, you know, people that I don't know too well, I get a lot of, huh, that's interesting or why'd you choose to do that? Or talking me out of stuff. It has always been the case. And yet I have kept pushing forward. I've kept going after my vision. And part of that was really understanding where I was going and then fighting like hell to get there, working really, really, really hard. It's it's the vision and it's sticking with the vision and definitely overcoming all those obstacles along the way. I hope that is useful for you, Mike, and for everyone else who is listening, really understanding that kind of process that we go to, the things we overcome, and really keeping anchored to your vision. Our next question comes from Christopher. Christopher writes, how to edit slash ghostwrite content for projects you don't love, but are paying the bills. Okay. So I, Christopher, I'm going to assume that you're, you're asking for some advice for how do you actually get this work done? Um, that you don't love it. It's probably not super inspiring for you, but you need the work. So I have some advice for you. I hope is helpful. And for anyone else who's maybe working in a job that they don't love all of it, or maybe they're building their business and they're taking on projects that aren't, you know, maybe totally ideal. So thank you for this question, first of all. I can really relate to it as I built my own business. And I'm going to take you way back to when I was in graduate school. This was in 2011. Um, So I was building my business on the side. I was working as a uh, research assistant. That's how I had my school paid for, and I got a small stipend through the university. Um, By the way, I had a terrible boss in this job, and I feel totally fine saying that publicly because... He really made me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and looking looking back on this, I rode the bus, you all. I rode the bus for 30 minutes. I think it was 30 minutes. Yeah, I had to walk to the bus stop. I rode the bus for 30 minutes. I had to walk to my job, walk, bus, walk to get home. And then I would either walk or ride my bike to school because we only had one car. My husband had jobs, two jobs. Um, on opposite sides of town. So it wasn't possible for him to take the bus. There wasn't enough time because we were broke. We were broke. We couldn't afford a second car. I, yeah, it was just, wow, what a crazy period now that I think back grad school. Anyway. Okay. So I was working at this journal 
Um, I was also doing a lot of work, starting to do more work in proofreading, which is not something I love, but I recognize was a stepping stone for my business. So at my job at the university, I was reading these studies. I was in charge of reviewing, being the first stage of review. It was very monotonous. I had a checklist of things that, you know, made it a yes or an, or a maybe or a no. Actually, I don't think I could give it a total yes, but I could put it in the yes uh, box for my boss to review. And I didn't love that job. As I said, it was, it was kind of awful, but I recognize the inherent value of learning how to read scientific material. I recognize that would be valuable for me. And in my proofreading work that I was doing, um, and I started I started at that point, I think I was started doing more copy editing and more deep developmental editing. I recognized that even when I was working on a type of work or maybe a type of project that wasn't lighting my hair, or I don't want to light my hair on fire, blowing my hair up. What's the phrase? In any case, it wasn't making me so excited to sit down and work on it. I was excited about my big vision. Here we come back to vision again. I knew what I was working toward and I was able to connect in most of my professional engagements, my clients on the mission and purpose of their work and the lives that they were impacting. I have always tried to work with projects that have some kind of good that they put into the world and that's not always been 100% true, but I always can find something that I feel like it is actually impacting the world in a good way. So that has helped me really anchor and be able to show up and do the work. Some strategies, just practical stuff that I have used to get motivated and inspired by my work when I don't really feel it. I will actually meditate before I sit down to write um, or edit. Now, to be fair, it's been a little while since I've had to do this, but this is something that I do actually meditate on my current projects that I do really enjoy because sometimes, you know, you have fuzzy brain days or you need to just kind of engage your uh, creativity to be able to sit down and do the work. So I will just sit, I will meditate, I will try to um, focus on the good of this project, the growth that I can find within the project. I also will focus on another practical thing is finding creative outlets, other creative outlets, journaling, blogging, podcasting, whatever it is for you. That can really help when you feel like at least you are flexing your creative muscles somewhere. Morning routines have been really powerful for me because what morning routines allow me to do is focus on efficiency so that I can get to the work that I actually enjoy. Um, I can get stuff done quickly. Uh, So back then it was about getting done quickly so that I didn't have to do it (laughs) anymore. Today it's about getting done efficiently, doing great work, but freeing up space in my life. The other thing I'll tell you, Christopher, charge more money because it honestly helps. If you are not feeling excited about your work, it can feel more exciting if you are getting paid properly, if you're getting paid fairly for the work that you are doing. And you might have to take on less of it, which would free you up to do some other things as well. One very practical thing I would suggest is to move away from hourly work if that's what you're doing right now. One of the things I learned is that when I was charging hourly, this is many years back, I was actually 
getting penalized when I worked faster, when I got better at what I did, and when I shifted to a project-based or value-based way of charging people, then I actually made more money when I was more efficient, when I was better at what I did, what I do, and so that can help a lot. And then another thing I just want to leave you with is if you're feeling like your work right now isn't fulfilling, remember, it's not forever. Keep a vision of what's possible. Focus on doing some things that will help you level up, just like what I talked about in the last question. So build a great site that attracts excellent clients, that attracts specific clients that you actually want to work with, the type of work you want to do. One thing that can help you, I have a life visioning guide. I actually use this myself every year. You can find that at stacyennis.com slash life visioning guide. Let yourself dream of what's possible and understand what you really want out of your business, the type of clients and work you want to do, and then actively work toward attracting them through your blog posts, if you're writing a blog or other types of content. And again, a great site that really communicates the type of work you want to do. I really hope this helps. Christopher, thank you so much for your question. Our next question comes from Anonymous. Are there ways to make a Zoom call flow smoothly? Thank you so much for that very practical question. The short answer is yes, of course. The biggest thing that I would suggest for you is just to go in and practice. I will often, if I'm getting ready for a presentation or, you know, a workshop maybe that I'm doing online, I'll go in, I'll start a Zoom meeting. I will sometimes use my husband's Zoom account and utilize that to add another person in there. Sometimes one of my colleagues will jump in and practice with me because we both have something coming up and we want to try some things out. So I'll just go in and play with it. I also end up Googling a lot um, and just looking up how to do different things and then trying them out. It's really one of those things that you just have to use it. You need to play with it and, and keep kind of working with it to get good at it. I would say one thing that works really well for me is having two monitors. I have my Zoom on full screen on my laptop, which I have propped up, and uh, I have a light kind of behind my monitor just to give better lighting because my, my lighting in my space isn't very good. But I have my Zoom window there, and then I have all of my other materials on my other screen, and I'll also put the chat and other items on the other screen just to help me with keeping track of everything. So a lot of times there are a lot of different windows and moving parts. The other thing I like to do in my meetings is utilize breakout rooms. So this is if I'm doing a workshop, breakout rooms are a great feature that you can use with the paid version of Zoom. I'm not sure if they allow it with the free one, but this has been really great for me and just helping, helping to facilitate more personal interactions with people who are attending my workshops or talks or whatever I am doing. The other thing I would say is just get in there early. I like to log in early, especially if I'm doing something that's important or I want to make sure that everything's working properly. That helps a lot. And then the last thing I'll say is turning off any apps that you have that are 
connected to the cloud, such as Microsoft Word, if you have the version that is a live version that syncs to the cloud or is constantly being updated, I like to close all of my apps and anything else on my computer. Number one, that can be distracting, and number two, that can drain my uh, my Wi-Fi and not make Zoom or make it so Zoom doesn't work quite as well. Again, the best thing I can recommend is get on their website, check out their tutorials, Google it, practice, try things, and you'll be a Zoom pro before you know it. Thank you for that question, Anonymous. Our next question also comes from Anonymous, different Anonymous this time though. So this question goes or reads, I always appreciate tips and tricks around productivity. I too am a productivity and habit nerd. So anything you can share about how you juggle all the balls, quote unquote, is helpful. Thank you so much for this question. You know, I love productivity. I love talking about productivity, habits, how we get the most out of our time. And I really like to focus on not just um, how to get more done, but actually have more quality, better quality and do more better work in less time. The point is to free up space to exercise, to read, to spend time with your family, and just not to be overworked because I do not subscribe to the idea that you need to be working all the time. No, thank you. That does not sound like the kind of life I want. So here are a few things that I can recommend. And I've talked about a few of these on previous episodes. Some of them might be new to you and some you can listen to previous episodes where I've talked through productivity and writing routines and things like that. One thing I've talked about in the past is time blocking and focused morning time. These are super, super important parts of how I amplify my productivity. Time blocking especially. Time blocking is simply the man- the way that I think about it is the management of energy, of your of your energy in your body and your mind by blocking out times on your calendar for specific tasks. The idea here is to be very focused narrowly focused for a set period of time and then to move to a new thing. So for me in my morning, my focused morning time, I have about a three hour block where I'm working on only focused creative projects. It's often in my world, a book or a piece of writing or something else that is a creative endeavor. And this time blocking this focus, my morning habits and routines are really important. In the last few months, I've also started working stretching into my morning routine because I struggle with back pain and it's a piece of self-care that I can give myself every day. So I have a specific set of stretches that I do and I read my book and I drink my coffee and it just really grounds and anchors me for the day. The other thing that I do is I don't check my email before 11 a.m., most days, I am usually very good about this. When I find myself slipping, it's when I find my productivity slipping as well. And so it's a good check for me. If I'm noticing I'm feeling drained or I'm not uh, doing great work that day, a lot of the time I can point to the fact that I checked my email that day before I started my creative time or my focus time. So what I do to help combat that is I set aside time to check my emails And I also try to stay on top of my emails. This is something that I have struggled with my entire business. Email, I wish I could just 
obliterate it from the face of the earth. It is not my favorite thing. Um, and so I try to set aside specific blocks of time to do email. I try to clean my, my inbox up every Friday so that I'm, I've responded to all of the emails that week. And I also, to help make that happen on Friday, I do my very best to respond to emails every day so that I'm cleaning out my inbox daily. But inevitably by Friday, there's, you know, a few things that I haven't quite dealt with. So I try to make sure that going into the weekend, I have handled my emails. From a productivity standpoint, or I guess not productivity, but uh, project management standpoint, I use Asana to manage projects. And I also use a weekly list and I, I utilize my weekly list for daily planning. And the combination of the two for me has been really, really important. Probably even more important than all the things I do individually is the fact that I have a helpful spouse and my husband is a stay-at-home dad. So I recognize that that's not true in every situation, but for us, having one spouse home, in this case my husband, has helped me be able to really be mostly all in at work a lot of the time. You know, I, I still do the doctor's appointments. I still am the one that meets with teachers if, for example there's a global pandemic and both parents aren't allowed to come as one of the parents, it's going to be me. I do a lot of that type of stuff. But my husband does the grocery shopping and he runs the errands and he takes the kids to school. And so, oh, and he cooks. That's very important. So that, that stuff really alleviates a lot of my mental load and lets me be productive and focused and keep up on my good habits. The other thing that I do habit-wise is I exercise regularly that is so important to me. Getting that regular exercise is a cornerstone of my entire life and the way that I, I kind of, it's part of my identity for sure, but the way that I show up for work is definitely impacted by my exercise. I need to exercise to be productive and keep up my good habits. From a really practical standpoint, to come back to help, um, my helpful spouse, my stay-at-home dad husband, we also hire help. You know, I went through this period. Now, there was a period we could not afford that. And you know what? It was what it was. But once we started to be able to afford some help, we hired twice a month housekeeping. Actually, no, we started with once a month. That was just so I could feel like one week of the month, I didn't have to feel stressed. And then that went to twice a month. And then it went to weekly. And then it went to more than once a week. Uh, we we need the help in our house. I do, although I so value not working all the time, I still work a lot. My kids go to two different schools, so my husband's always shuttling them around. We live in an area where you drive a lot, so we have a lot going on. And when I do have downtime, I really want to be present with my family. And so we we hire help at our house. We hire gardening done, um, We have somebody come watch the kids once a week so that we have the opportunity, my husband and I, to connect together. And even little things like uh, the last holiday that we had a gift, oh, it was my son's birthday. We had somebody come and install a swing in the ceiling for us in our basement because that was part of our gift to him. Those types of things that I could put it on my plate and feel stressed you know, I recognize that there it wasn't always possible for us to do this, to be able to hire help to relieve our load and be more focused, 
But you know what? I also, now that I'm in a different position, I so clearly see the ROI of getting help. It was not working out for me to work all week and then clean all weekend, not all weekend, but you know, maybe spend Saturday cleaning. My house was never clean the way that I wanted it. All week it would get messy. I would feel stressed out and it was just a lot. I felt really overwhelmed to be able to have a weekend and get to spend it with my family, go on a good long run, recharge my batteries, helps me do more, better work in less time. And it helps me show up in a bigger way for my family and for my clients and for my students at nonfiction book school and all the different things that I do. I had to accept that I can't do it all. I needed to let go of my American um, mentality. Americans, you know what, guys? We think that we need to do everything. We need to be working all the time. And we there's this kind of cult of work that I just really subscribed to for a long time until I didn't. And I'm a much happier person now that I don't. Instead, I want to focus on what I enjoy and what I'm good at and outsource things that I need help with. That's true in my life and it's true in my business too. And you know, I'm not perfect at any of this stuff, but again, back to the first question, to Mike's question, this discussion of milestones and growth, and it's always growth. It's always to focus on how do I how do I be present? How do I do great work? How do I, how am I a great mom? Like what are the things that I can do to build good productivity habits, good habits, period, in my life and with my family? It's an area of growth and it's something I could nerd out about all day. So thank you so much for that question, Anonymous. That's it for this week. I have another Ask Stacy episode coming up. I'm very excited to answer those questions as well. If you want to submit a question, you can either email hello at stacyennis.com or you can go to stacyennis.com, click connect. There's a form there that you can fill out. It will go right to me and I'll add your question to an upcoming episode. I hope these answers were helpful. I hope they help you think about ways that you can, you know, either level up or grow, or maybe maybe they just inspired you to realize some of the things that you personally are already doing really, really well, because I think it's very easy to forget that. Thanks so much for joining me for this Ask Stacy episode, and please keep your questions coming. This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Katherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at stacyennis.com podcast. And you can connect with me at stacyennis.com, on Instagram at Stacy Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacy Ennis Creative. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better.